Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. It is not about me. And the subtitle is Living a Life of Contentment. Who would like to live a life of contentment? I'm telling you what, what we talk about tonight is, is going to help. If, if you'll get this revelation, if, you, if you'll let it sink in, not just from your head, but down into your heart, this is going to help you more than you may know because it's going to free up some of those constraints sometimes that we find ourselves in as, as Christians and as believers. Let's take a look over in Ephesians chapter or Philippians chapter 4 real quick. I want to show you two or three verses over in, starting in verse 11. This is Paul speaking. He says, not that I speak in regard to need. He's, in the whole book of Philippians is Paul reaching out to the very generous church at Philippi who has just blessed him with a wonderful ministry gift. Paul, who's in prison, is writing this joyful letter to the Philippians. And he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We all know that last part of that verse, but I want to take you back to verse 11. Look what he says. He says, I speak in regard, not that I speak in regard to need, but look at this next phrase. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. See, Paul knew whether he was in Tennessee, North Carolina, he could be content. And he was content because he learned how to. It's learned behavior. Contentment is a choice. It's a decision. And it's something that we can learn. And it's something that Paul learned over the course of his ministry. And I believe contentment is hugely connected to the recognition and understanding that this, all this that we have, all this that we do, it's not about us. It's about somebody else. And it's amazing how deeply satisfying life can be when we get that revelation. I was watching, uh, watching the news just a couple days ago on the news. It was a very touching story that they shared. And, and I'm telling you, I was just crying and crying when I saw it. There was a, it was about a 22-year-old girl who uh, had a stepfather who had been her stepdad since she was nine years old. And when, she first, when he first became her stepdad... He had wanted to adopt her. She had wanted him to adopt her. But the birth father was not supportive of that, and they needed his approval. And so for whatever reason, the adoption was not possible. And so they just kind of let that fall to the wayside. Well, now here she's an adult. She's grown up. She's 22 years old. And she discovered one day, you know what? You could still be adopted at age 22. 
And so she found this out, and she went and she did the homework on it, and she, she went and got all the paperwork, the adoption paperwork together without her dad or stepdad knowing. And on his birthday, that was her birthday present to him, was adoption papers. Try not to cry telling the story. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful, touching thing, and it was a video... But, you know, it was one of these viral Internet videos, and they were interviewing the family on the news, and it was a very, very touching thing. But, you know, this dad was so moved and so blessed by that that his daughter had, had gone to such lengths to, to, to be adopted by him. And I'm telling you, that just resonated with me. And it resonates with most everybody. And the reason it resonates, you know, we love seeing happy endings. We love seeing people win. We love the Olympics because we like seeing people after so many years of hard work finally coming together and they win a medal or whatever they win in, in life is something that we really, really connect with. And the reason we do is I believe we're tapping into the heart of God when we do that. We're tapping into something that God has hardwired into each one of us. God wants us to delight in other people getting blessed. I got to... I got a text from my son today. My son was here with us just a couple of weeks ago. He just went back. He, he's um, in the Army. He's stationed out at, in Washington State. And so he got to go uh, salmon fishing today. He just went back a couple, two or three days ago, and he sent me a picture today of a king salmon that he caught today. It was awesome. All right? I mean, it was awesome. And so I was so happy. I was so excited for him. I'd love to catch one like that, but I was more happy that he caught it than if I had caught it because I had the opportunity to celebrate with him, to rejoice with him because of something he had that he got to do that was really, really fun. And God has put that in us, and God has hardwired us to function that way. Check out this life point that goes along with this. The less that I focus on me and the more that I focus on others, the more contentment I experience every day. You know that word content, it means this. It means to be in a state of peaceful happiness or a state of satisfaction. Now, isn't it satisfying to bless somebody else? Isn't it satisfying to see somebody else win? If you've not experienced that in life, you are missing out on one of the most contenting things that you can possibly experience. So here's what I want to talk about. There's five things, five things of mine that are not just for me. You know, so often in life we're out pursuing these areas in life in a big, big way. Let's find three or five areas that are not just for me. Number one, oh, back it up. Number one, my job is not just for me. It's not about me. You know, so often in our society we're programmed to be in competition. You know, we, we, we're trained from a young age in school. You know, you got to get the best grades. you got to get, the, get in the best colleges. you got to get the best job. And then you got to fight your way up the ladder to attain whatever success is in that particular profession. All right? Sounds wonderful, and there's elements of that that are good, but there's elements of that that train us to be all about ourselves and our own progress. You know, it's all about my job, what this is going to do for me. But check this out over in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at what your job's for. Verse 28, I love how this verse starts. Let him who stole steal no longer. That's the key tonight, all right? It's a joke, moving on. But rather, <laughs> let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. 
You know why you're working? You're working for somebody else, not for you. That job that you go to day in and day out is not a means for you to gain a paycheck. That's a side benefit. That job is there for somebody else. Your job is there for somebody else. You know, we, we talk about invest, invite, and include. We have it written on that back wall. We talk about it every single service. I touched on it right before when we talked about the flyer. We'll talk about it again at the end, even though I'm talking about it now. Invest, invite, and include is about you have the opportunity to connect with people that we'll never meet. You work with people we may never see. You are neighbors with people we may never meet. You run into people out in the community that we may never run into. And you have such an opportunity to connect and to make a difference in the lives of others. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about living a life of contentment. You ever meet somebody that was discontent in their job? I'm not going to have a show of hands in here, but I would be willing to guess there's probably at least two, maybe three of you in here that are discontent with your particular job. You don't like what you're doing. You don't know why you're there. You wish you had a different job. I understand all that. I've been in that place myself before. But I tell you what, if you will shift gears in your orientation toward that job, and you'll realize that job's just not about you and making you happy. That job is there as an opportunity for you to touch somebody else and to bless somebody else. It's amazing how all of a sudden now you have purpose. All of a sudden now there's significance in getting up and going to work every day beyond the paycheck. All of a sudden you realize, I have, I have assignments from God at my job day after day after day. You know, I remember back when I worked at, I worked at uh, Texas Instruments for, for some years before we started on full-time with the ministry. I was an engineer. And um, it, it, there were so many opportunities that I had there that if I hadn't been paying attention... I would have missed out on. You know, there are many opportunities to minister to people and to touch people's lives. And it wasn't because I was a pastor or a minister. I wasn't at the time. But it was because I was a Christian. And I was a Christian going to work. And I had to work hard and I worked long hours. But you know what? There were opportunities if I was paying attention to touch and affect other people in a big, big way. I remember one day there was a, a young man that I had you know, had developed a relationship with just through the work there that I had the privilege one day of just out on the, out on the manufacturing floor at, at a manufacturing facility for Texas Instruments, right there in front of everybody, standing right there in front of everybody, I had the privilege of praying with him to give his life to Jesus. There was another guy I worked with a couple years later there that uh, he was going through some really, really challenging times. And uh, I remember one night on, on the phone, I, I had... I had, he had called me. He, was, he, was in a, a, he had been admitted to a, a mental hospital because of a mental breakdown that he had had. And he had called me. And I had the opportunity to pray with him. And he gave his life to the Lord over the phone. Now, what was that? That was understanding and recognizing this job that I was doing was way bigger than my paycheck. It was way bigger than my just little set of responsibilities day in and day out. There were a bunch of people there that needed something more than what that job was providing for them. And we had an opportunity to connect with them and touch lives in a big, big way. And I, th I thank God for that. You know, the other thing we need to recognize is in understanding it's not just about me. 
You remember over in, the, in uh, uh, Genesis, you remember the guy by the name of Joseph? Anybody ever heard of him? Joseph, it says that, that God blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. God blessed Egypt for Joseph's sake. Have you ever thought that maybe God wants to bless your place of employment, your boss, your company, because of you? And that blessing that's on your life as a believer and living out and walking out your Christianity in that setting, God can pour that blessing out on that company, on that business, on that police department, wherever it is that you're employed, God wants to bless people and he wants to bless people through you. And so when we recognize that, man, this is about more than just me. All of a sudden, my life takes on much greater dimension. My contentment and my satisfaction in what I'm doing and where I'm going, so much more refreshing. Here's number two. Second thing of mine that's not just for me, my promotion is not just for me. Anybody fought hard for a promotion before? You were just working, working, working away at work, hoping to get that raise, hoping to get that promotion, hoping to get that elevation to whatever that next level was. I want you to understand something. You didn't get promoted just because you're some hot shot. You got promoted for a reason. And there's a reason that goes beyond just your hard work to get there. And that reason involves other people. You know, I talked about Joseph. You remember Joseph, he was promoted in Potiphar's house by the Lord, and, and later he got thrown in prison. You remember that? But in prison, he excelled, and he ended up leading the prison, and finally he ended up you know, second in charge of all of Egypt. That was a pretty big job. But you know, that role there wasn't for Joseph. He benefited from it. He had a great, you know, he had a great house, great wife, great family, great, you know, he was great possessions. But that wasn't the reason that he got promoted. The reason he got promoted was... His family and all the people of the area needed him in that position so that they didn't all die in the coming famine. The wisdom that God gave Joseph to lead Egypt through those tough years enabled the people to live and to perpetuate and move on. So Joseph's promotion wasn't for Joseph. Joseph's promotion was for the people. So Joseph can't take credit for it. It wasn't about Joseph. It was about God caring for those people. Joseph had to be willing and available, but once he was, he was in a place where he could touch and impact people on a huge, huge level. Ever heard of Esther? You know the story of Esther. And let me tell you something. Esther wasn't just pretty for Esther's benefit. Esther didn't have favor. If you go back and read that story, it's amazing the favor that was on Esther. She wasn't just a beautiful woman. But she had favor. She had favor every step of the way as she went from just a, a normal person in town to being the queen. But, you know, Esther didn't become queen so that Esther could ride around in fancy chariots and wear pretty dresses. Esther became queen because there was a great onslaught prepared against her people. And her own cousin Mordecai said, listen, Esther, you're here for such a time as this. God has you here for a reason, for a purpose, and that purpose goes beyond you. Now, for Esther, she had to take great personal risk and, and great personal sacrifice to step into that function and into that role to intercede for her people, but God delivered her people on behalf of Esther. All right? It wasn't about Esther. 
Her promotion wasn't about her. You know, I was watching a show the other night. There's a new series. I, I actually enjoy it. I find it interesting. I like Bear Grylls. Anybody ever watch Bear Grylls? He's got this new show on where he takes these famous people out in the wilderness and throws them off cliffs and stuff. And, and I, I think it's, I just find it interesting. So he had Shaquille and O'Neal with him. You know, Shaquille's like 9 foot 11 and weighs 1,200 pounds. And he's got Shaq out climbing these mountains and rappelling down these mountains. And it was, it was actually quite entertaining if you saw it. But I, I was interested as I was watching him talk. He was just sitting there talk to Sha talking to Shaq. And uh, Bear made this observation to Shaq. He, he, he said, Shaq, he said, you know, for, for a number of years, you were the king. You were the king of basketball. And Shaq was like, yes, I was. I was the king. And I stepped back and I thought, why? Reasonable question, isn't it? Why were you the king? What was it for? Was it just to be king? Or was there a reason for that? Why is anyone in the role that they're in is bigger than you? The king isn't there just to be king. Matter of fact, all the people that the king is king over aren't there for the king. The king is there for them. And whatever role you're in, whatever level you're in at your job, whatever role you're in outside of your job, you're there for a purpose. And that purpose is bigger than you. And that role is bigger than you. And it goes beyond you and your family and your paycheck and your nice house and your nice car. None of those things, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if those things are all that we've got in, our, in front of us, you will not live a life of contentment. I can tell you that right here and right now. I don't care how much money you make or how high you, you, you attain in the business world. That won't be satisfying. What will be satisfying is what we do for the Lord. What will be satisfying is what we do for other people. And when we recognize it's not about me, but it's about others, it's amazing where that will take us. Third thing that's not about me, my money is not just for me. Amen. I like that. We'll get one amen on that. You know, these millions of dollars that I make every year as a pastor, those, these, these are not, that's not just for me. All right? It's for others as well. You know, Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. God says to Abraham, God said, you know, I'm going to bless you. And he blessed Abraham greatly, but he didn't stop there. He said, you're blessed to be a blessing. You know, we already looked over at Ephesians 4, 28, where it said that the work that we do is not just for us. It's so that we can have something that we can give to somebody else. You have such an opportunity to bless other people. You have such an opportunity to sow into the lives of other people. And it's one of the funnest things in the world to do. You know, one of the things that, that, that Paula and I do, and Lauren, what we do as a family, and Stephen, we've had this thing we've done for years where each month we, we, we set aside a certain amount of money for the, for the express purpose of just blessing somebody with. Now, it's over and above our regular tithes and our regular offerings. This is just something we do on our own that we want to bless people each month. And it's something that we do anonymously. It's something that we do uh, uh, um, or, or sometimes on the spur of the moment because God touched our heart to do certain things. And it's one of the funnest things that we do. It's such a joy to get to bless people's lives. 
we were in a grocery store just a couple weeks ago, and we were in line checking out, and the girl that was in front of us in line checking out, um, she ran up all her groceries and, and uh, started sticking her credit card in, and man, it would not take her credit card. It didn't like her money. Her money was not good there. So she was like, oh my gosh, and she was in a half panic, and she's got her phone out, she's trying to call the bank, and she's trying to, you know, fix this problem that she's got, and so we, because we had positioned ourselves to be able to do, you know, you can't give what you don't have. You ever notice that? You ever been in a spot where you wanted to do something, but you couldn't, because you didn't have something to do? Sometimes you have to plan ahead. Sometimes you have to prepare yourself beforehand so you'll be in a position to be able to help somebody when the opportunity arises. And so we were in that spot, and we were there behind her in line, and so we just stepped up. Paula stepped up and said, hey, um, we're going to take care of your groceries. Well, she was like, oh, gosh, no, until we pulled one of these out. You ever seen one of these? These are little cards we've given out from time to time here at the church, and we're going to have them at the end of the service. Our usher's going to have them at the back. They're going to have these to give out to you if you want some, and I double-dog dare you to take some with you. It's a little card that says it's paid for, and it's in a little advertisement for your church. It tells information about Joy Church and that this is taken care of. You know, it's amazing how someone who, who feels very uncomfortable receiving a gift from a stranger will feel more comfortable when you say, hey, listen, just come visit my church. That's how you can pay me back. Here is taken care of. You know, don't worry about it. Just come on and, and visit our church. Well, she was all excited about that. Hey, my mama's been to your church. Hey, I've been wanting to come. I'd like to come sometime. The checkout girl, she, she seemed all interested. Paula then grabbed her and talked to her about the church. Oh, yeah, I'd love to come to your church. That was a spur-of-the-moment thing. That was something that wasn't planned, but it was something where when we knew and understood that our money wasn't just for us, then we were in a position and ready to be able to have some of the greatest fun. And you talk about contentment. You talk about walking away with a big smile on our face. Man, that was so fun for us because we knew it wasn't about us. It was about somebody else. Number four, this is a big one. My spiritual assignment is not just for me. Well, what's my spiritual assignment? Well, if you're part of this church, part of your spiritual assignment is your involvement here at this church. Many of you are ushers and, and greeters and you work with the children's ministry and that's a wonderful thing. That's not just there for you. That's for other people too. Check this out. Mark chapter 10. Look in verse, verse 43 through 45 together. Look at this. Jesus said this. He said, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. If you want to be great, serve. Be a servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, you know, Jesus is our example. And his example to us was not, hey, hey, I'm here. Everybody look at me. Jesus' example was, hey, 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 I'm here. I've got something you need. And I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to serve you. That should be our perspective, too. When you walk in a room, don't look for who's there that can do something for you. Look for someone that you can do something for. Don't look for the one that if you're nice to them, you get some kind of great payback. Ooh, ooh, he, you know, there's the rich guy over there in the corner. If I'm nice to him, he might let me ride on his yacht. First of all, there's not many yachts around the area that you, you know, so you're limited. 
But don't look for someone that can bless you back. Look for someone that you can bless. Because God will take care of you. God's in the taking care of you business. You ever heard this phrase? Pastor's been saying it recently. You're going to hear it more and more. Saved people serve people. And what a privilege it is and how fulfilling it is to get to serve people. We hear so many great stories in our guest reception and on follow-up calls when people come about how the simple smile that they got at the front door from a warm greeter blessed them. The, the wave, is, you don't know how many times we hear people say that the, the youth that are out there waving, the ushers that are out there waving, what a difference it made in people's lives. I had a tough week. I pulled in and just pulling onto your campus, I felt the Holy Ghost. You know, you know what they meant? I'm going to tell you what they meant by that. What they meant by that was someone smiled at me and waved. And I felt good. Now, I'm not taking away from that I felt the Holy Ghost. Guess what? The Holy Ghost is in that. All right? But people sometimes go through a horrible week. And they show up. And just because you're nice to them, just because you're kind to them, just because you smile at them and shake their hand and give them a hug, that affects their life in ways you cannot imagine. You know sweet June Ashburn, our, our designated hugger? She's here on Sunday mornings, if you don't know June. Who doesn't know June Ashburn? There's probably some of you in here that don't. That's okay. Okay, I'm glad one person's honest in here. I bet there's more than one of you that doesn't know June Ashburn. But June's our sweet designated hugger. She's like 85 years old. She's been with this church from the very beginning. She is anointed to hug people. And I'm telling you, I've heard story after story of people that say, you know what? I came in, it was the worst week of my life, and some gray-haired old lady at the door hugged me. <laughs> and it made all the difference in the world. Isn't that something? It's amazing. You know, my son, I mentioned my son's in the Army, and he was, he was, he's in Washington State now, but he was previously at Fort Hood in Texas. And there's a lady there in Fort Hood. I read this story. It was, it was amazing because she reminded me of our June. There was this lady that every time a, a division of troops would leave to go on deployment to Afghanistan or to Iraq, she would be at the airport. And every one of those soldiers, as they were leaving to go out on the battlefield, she would hug them. I mean, she, she, they would wait in line to hug this woman as they were going to board their plane. And then when they came back nine months later, eight months later, she was waiting for them at the gate when they came back through, and she was the first one they saw, and she gave them a hug when they came back home. These rough, tough, manly fighting men, that was one of the things they looked forward to, some of them, for months. For months. Couldn't wait to get the hug from the hug lady that the only time they ever saw her was when they left to go on deployment, when they came back on deployment. You know what that is? That's a ministry. And that's someone who realized and recognized it's not about me. She knew it was about these boys and girls going off to serve our country. And she served them. And in serving them, can you imagine the contentment that she had? Can you imagine the joyful life that this woman led? I saw the story because she had, she had died. She died fairly recently. And the story was about this woman in memory. And there were so many of these soldiers that were sharing about how much this woman meant to her or meant to them just because she hugged them. Now, if something that simple can have such a large impact, imagine what you can do. Imagine what effect you can have 
on somebody else. When we get our eyes off of ourselves, realize it's not about me, and we get our eyes on someone else. And then number five, here's number five. My life is not just for me. My life is not just for me. John 15, 13, you know this verse, greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friend. You know, there's people that have made the ultimate sacrifice for others. And, and if, if you ever want to, you know, think about it. We, we all know how this affects us. We hear the story of, uh, of the soldier who, who gives his life for our country and dies on the battlefield. We hear the story of, of, of the police officer who, who, who is killed in the line of duty, serving us and serving our community. We hear, I don't know why this happens so often, but it seems like I read a story about this every year of somebody who, who drowns saving someone else's life drowning. You see those stories all the time? I don't know why they always happen. But it's like, okay, some, some kid falls in the, in the raging river and, you know, somebody dives in after him and manages to save the kid, but they don't get out and they drown. That's impacting, isn't it? Or, or, or you know, we hear stories of, you know, somebody taking a bullet for somebody else, you know, diving. You know, we see them on movies all the time. They dive in front of the other person and they take a bullet. I guarantee you, if you'll be honest with me, every single one of you in here, if you're honest, would say you've daydreamed or fantasized about being that hero. I have. Am I the only one? You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you know, and, and when we do that, man, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a meaningful concept, isn't it? You know, to, to have, to, to live a life or to, to do an act that, that is so impacting for somebody else, so sacrificial, so uh, uh, great an effect of somebody else. Now, some people do it because they want to be a hero. Most people have those daydreams, not because they want to be a hero, but because they want their life to be significant and to have meaning and purpose. This bigger than the day-to-day -day grind that they walk through, getting up, going to work, coming home. And see, that's what I'm trying to get our eyes on, guys. Your life has so much more purpose than the day-to-day -day grind that you go through. Your assignments for God are so much greater than just going and getting a paycheck. Now, how many of us in here will, will give that ultimate sacrifice of taking the bullet for somebody else? There may be one or two in this room, maybe. But let me tell you, it doesn't take that to live a life of significance and purpose, right? It, 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 sometimes it's a whole lot more commitment to live for God than it is to die for God, right? It takes a lot more commitment and work to live for somebody else than to die for somebody else. Check out this life point. Look at this life point. When we value people the way that God values people, then everyone begins to matter. Everyone begins to matter. You know, there's a lot of people around you. There's a lot of lives out there that need your help. I heard this story. It was very touching. It was a story. Uh, it was a, a famous preacher. He tells this story many years ago. And, and he, you know, he had this big old ministry. He had all these things going on, tons of ministry happening. And the Lord just spoke to him and spoke to him so clearly. I want you to go all the way to Russia, to some little town in Russia. He was like, okay, Lord. 
I'll do it. He didn't even know why he was going, but he just knew the Lord was directing him to do it. So he packed up, you know, he had to change his ministry schedule. He had all these important things that he had to do, but yet he went all the way to Russia, to this little town in Russia. And there in this little town in Russia, there was this one lady, one lady. He thought he was going there to do all this ministry and have this big uh, crusade or something. He didn't know what he was there for, but there was one lady, one lady to talk to there in Russia. And he comes home and he's like, Lord, oh my gosh. And in his mind, what a waste of time. You know, I, I have all this ministry going on and so many people I can touch and, and impact. And, and you had me go all the way over to the other side of the world. That doesn't seem reasonable, right? Well, the Lord began talking to him and he said this. He, he, he said, you have a daughter, don't you? And he said, yeah. He said, yeah, I do. He, she, and the Lord said, if she was in trouble, would you do whatever was needed to help her? He said, yeah. He said, if that meant packing up and going to the other side of the world to help her out, would you do that? He said, yeah. He said, this girl, she wouldn't listen to anybody but you. There's nobody that she had a ear to hear but you. And she's my daughter. Now, that's how God thinks about every one of you. And that's how God thinks about every one of those other people you don't like. <laughs> and you can't, you can't separate them from you. You can't separate them from you in the value that God places on each one of them. All right? So if we'll be open and responsive to the Lord to let his heart pour through our hearts, you'd be amazed how if we'll live our lives for others, how content that will make us. Now, we're talking about it's not about me. All right? We looked at five areas that are not about me. And I know every single one of you, you're at a place now you're buying in. You're going, okay, Pastor Dave, I got you. You've convinced me. It's not about me. I should begin living my life for others. Um, I need to quit prioritizing me. But if, if I quit prioritizing me, what's in it for me? I know you're asking that. Every one of you is asking that. What's in it for me? Let's take a look at this. Let me give you seven things that will leave when I get my eyes off of me. God is such an interesting God. It's amazing how if we will just quit putting us at the front of our thoughts and priorities, it's amazing how God will shuffle us to the front of his priorities. It's amazing how the things that we give up for the Lord always come pouring back on us many times over. So many people are struggling in so many areas of your life. I mean, there's so much counseling going on out there. There's so many uh, obias and, and, and conditions and, and you name it that people have that, that you could easily get rid of if you'll just quit thinking about yourself and start thinking about somebody else. Look at this. Check this out. These are seven things that leave when I get my eyes off of me. Number one, insecurity leaves. Insecurity leaves. You know, look at this life point. Insecurity can only happen if I'm thinking about myself. You know, if my eyes are in mine or on someone else, it's amazing how that insecurity begins to fall to the wayside. The very first time I ever 
uh, um, shared a, a, a message. I don't like to say preached a sermon, but let me, let me put it that way so you can get what I'm saying. The very first time I ever preached a sermon was when I was in college. I was in a public speaking class, all right? And in this secular college that I was at, in this public speaking class, one of our assignments were we each had to prepare a speech that we were to deliver to the class, all right? So we each prepared our speech, and I prepared my speech, and my speech was basically a salvation message for Jesus Christ. And so I was all prepared. Man, I was nervous. I was sweating. I mean, this was new to me. And I mean, you talk about a, an audience that maybe wasn't on board with me. The, the girl that went right before me, right before me was this brazen, brash, very vocal girl in the classroom. And, and her meaningful speech that she gave was how she took it as her personal responsibility to help provide all of her friends birth control so that they would all be safe and such, you know. So that was her meaningful thing that she did for society. And I got to follow this. And I'm getting up and I'm talking about Jesus. And you know what? The more I thought about what people would think about me, the more nervous and insecure I got. The more I thought about how this was not for me, but this was for these people in this class that needed to hear good news. It's amazing how that insecurity drained right away. We get our eyes off ourselves and get them on the Lord. It's amazing what will just, what will go away. Number two, second thing that leads is pride leaves. Look at this life point. It's tough to be proud when I give God and others all the credit. You know, if you... If you realize my promotion's not for me, my job's not for me, my gifts and talents aren't for me, I can't take credit for them. They're all a gift from God. Any abilities I have are because God gave it to me, and they're not just for my personal benefit, but they're for other people. Man, it's hard to be proud about all that. It's easy to be proud of God, who lets me do what I get to do and lets you do what you get to do, but it's so easy to watch that pride just walk away when we don't let it stay. Look at this, number three, greed leaves. Greed leaves. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, it says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with abundance. You know, check this guy out. I want you to watch this video. Here's a guy that didn't quite get it. I think the only reason you married me is because my daddy gave me a lot of money. Oh, come on, sugar. Come on, babe. You know better than that. You know me. I don't care who gave you the money. <laughs> There's a guy that didn't get that it's not about him. All right? Did you like my house? That was a picture of my house. Very lovely home. Number four. Here's a good one for you. Check this out. Worry leaves. Worry leaves, Matthew 6, 25 through 33. We'll take, we won't take time to look at it here, but basically it says, don't worry about anything. What you wear, what you eat, where you sleep. Don't worry about any of that. It goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things you need will be added to you. Look at this life point. If we will focus on God's things, he'll take care of our things. 
And usually that's what we're pursuing. And we're in this uh, never-ending pursuit of stuff, and that stuff seems elusive. But if we'll seek first God and his kingdom, it's amazing how all the stuff will chase us down and overtake us. Number five, check this out, selfishness leaves. Look at this life point. If I'm others-minded, I cannot at the same time be self-minded. And that selfishness will drain away and walk away. See, it's so cool. If we'll focus on... It's not about me. All these things begin to drop off. The insecurities, the greed, the selfishness, the worry. How about number six? Self-pity leaves. So many of us, we just feel sorry for ourselves. Well, I didn't get the promotion. I deserved it. I didn't get the raise. I should have made more. Well, you may not have. But if you'll get your eyes off of you and your problem and your situation, it's amazing how you'll stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Here's a Pastor Jim nugget. The only two people that show up to a pity party are you and the devil. That's not a real good party. That's not a fun party to be at. Pastor Jim shares this all the time, and I love it. Pastor is the only person that I know who's never down. You ever notice that? He doesn't get down. And if he's ever tempted to get down, he tells us this. If If he ever finds discouragement trying to sneak up on him, remember what he says he does? He grabs up a stack of Pastor Jim notes and starts writing notes to other people. What's he doing? He's doing this message. He's getting his mind off of himself and on somebody else. He understands it's not about him. It's about other people. And once he gets to about note number two or number three, all that discouragement is long forgotten. It's left because he's got his eyes on the Lord. And then number seven, and this is a biggie, lack of purpose leaves. So many people live a life where they're trying to find purpose. They're trying to find significance. They're trying to find meaning. Guys, your purpose is in God. Your purpose is in his assignments. Your purpose is in people. God's greatest priority is people. All right? You ever hear this, Pastor Jim Nugget? Other than one small exception, the entire world consists of someone other than me. So if I will get my eyes on one of those others rather than on me, it's amazing how all of a sudden I have significance. I mean, there's 7 billion people out there that need you. Look at this life point. There's a lost, dying, hurting humanity out there that needs me, and they need you. You want a life of contentment? You want to feel like you're making a difference? You want to feel like you have purpose? You want to feel like your life has meaning and significance? Start living it for someone else. Let's get out there and live our lives for people. Let's get out there and serve people. Let's make a difference together with joy. Let's get out there and be a part of these Joy to Go events. Are you excited about the landing? Did you see all the steel that's up out there? Another great opportunity that we're going to have to touch people and reach people. Let's be content, guys, and let's be thankful.